Hello and welcome to We Random episode 26. I've got I've got to send a, a message out real quick. Dear JJ Watt, the state of Wisconsin still loves you, man. You should come home, hang out, put on the green and gold, and help this god awful defense that we got. What do you say, man? I think you should do it. More after this. Almost qualified productions. Let's get crazy! Experts don't have this much fun. Welcome to We Random, episode 26. I'm Brian. That's Christopher. Say hello to those wonderful people, Christopher. Hello, wonderful people, and even those who aren't wonderful. It's true. We try to be kind to everyone. <laughs> kindness is a uh, right. kindness. Except Tom Brady. Fuck that guy. <laughs> I mean, you know, he was getting it in at the boat party, though. and uh, I bet he was. You know, you saw old Scotty Miller dropped Chris Godwin's phone in the water. And people, and, you know, people said Kevin King could have been there to stop it, but he'd have been three yards behind. So still wouldn't have mattered anyway. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How's it going, Christopher? Are you ready for this podcast where we give these people the wonderful wheel of doom and we go through some topics and we have a uh, nice random rankings and all of that. I mean, I, I don't know that it matters if I'm ready or not, because we're here to do it, right? That's true. Fake it till you make it. That's right. You have anything so, to say? So, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, 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 I got to do a little housekeeping right off the bat. So we had three very similar topics. Yes. If you're looking at the stream here, B, you see that I, you see that I kind of threw three of them in together <laughs> this week's dicks because we got three dicks on the, in the group. I'm wondering if we just want to do the dicks all by themselves individually. That's on the wheel right now. <laughs> or do we do? That's the biggest. That's what she said. Joke I've heard, but. <laughs> But before do we do the dicks all at once or, or separately do we do the three dicks individually. So they're on the wheel individually right now. So before we get into the wheel, though, we skipped the thing that we bolded in red. So loyal listener, remember when we told you that we would give you the receipts of our playoff uh, oh, yeah. prediction, random rankings and our prop bets? Today, this is the time for that. So a playoff recap, the TLDR, the too long didn't read. We both got it very wrong. Um, uh, as you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won the Super Bowl. I, <laughs> I had one team in the Super Bowl, Kansas City. I got that right, but they lost in the Super Bowl, which I would have gotten right, but I didn't have the right NFC team. So I kind of feel like for our purposes, that was just kind of a wash because neither of us actually predicted the correct Super Bowl champion. Right. Yeah, pretty much. From there, our prop bet competition got a little bit more spicy. So did. we had all of the different prop bets. Who would be the MVP? How many dogs would be featured in Super Bowl commercials? How long would it take the national anthem to be sung? And more. So we had four participants. We had MLE. We had Old Man Wiggum. We had myself, Landmark, and we had Sconzi. So, Sconzi, do you want to tell the people how our competition turned out? Yeah, for sure. So we had we had a couple big uh, differentiators as you go through it, but uh, for the most part, we were all pretty similar in what we picked. So the scores are, well, they're kind of close, except for Emily was a little bit out 
on her own. But for the most part, it was pretty close. So the final tally, um, Emily came in at 4.255. Old Man Wiggum came in third. Well, yeah, third, I guess, with 6.51. Remember that number, 6.51. And Brian and I actually tied for first at 6.515. So <laughs> the three of us were separated by 0 0.005. Uh, and the big, the big ones that would, that I would call out is, um, Wiggum got the MVP, right? The, uh, the three rest of us chose Patrick Mahomes cause we were betting on the chiefs to win. So Wiggum got that one, right? Which worked in his benefit. Um, but he was also the only person to say that the national anthem would be under two minutes, which hurt him. Uh, and then the big one that, that gave you and I a big boost was what the, what was the position of the first touchdown score? We both went tight end. And of course, Gronkowski scored the first touchdown. So, um, yeah, those are the ones that, that made the big difference. But, uh, yeah, you and I came out on top, and then Wiggum, and then Emily. So, in the future, we may do more prop bet uh, things. We have to find sporting events that we actually care about to do it, because as much as I would want to do, like, wrestling prop bets, you probably wouldn't care. <laughs> I wouldn't really know anything about that either. Yeah, You would just pick Goldberg. Goldberg in the over Goldberg should always win anyway. <laughs> it's like, will this Goldberg match last longer over or under a minute and 30 seconds? <laughs> <laughs> always take the under there. And old man Wiggum to clarify, we didn't care. We were just entertaining ourselves because our hearts were still broken that our green Bay Packers were not in the Super Bowl. I also just want to point out, and this may or may not have anything to do with the fact that the Packers were not in the Super Bowl. This was hands down the worst Super Bowl viewing experience in history. The game was fucking boring. Tom Brady won, which is fucking boring. The commercials were boring. The halftime show was boring. Like literally, I if it wasn't for the fact that, you know, I was I was having a, you know, a voice chat with uh, a couple friends actually with Wiggum and and Brian uh during the game, I would have shut the shit off or I would have fallen asleep. Like it was it was just it was just so bad, so boring. Well, in order to not bore our loyal listeners any longer, let's move to the wheel. But the one thing that I will tell you is I think you can combine the two dicks, uh, Brit and the person whose name I have no idea. But Morgan Wallen, I want to talk a little bit more about that one. So while a dick, we can move that one out of the dick category. All right, so we're 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 putting uh Brit's going to be on his own dick? No, the Morgan's going to be... Morgan's his own dick? Yep. All right, well, then we're going to leave them all separate because I think there's there's enough differentiation there. Okay. We're going to do the dick separate chat, three dicks, separate times, because we don't want to take all the dicks at the same time. I'm spinning the goddamn dick wheel here. Yeah, probably. What are the odds we're going to get a dick right off the bat? We did not. Well, I mean, there's probably a dick in all these stories. Um, Opting out of black history being what... What the fuck is that all about? So, we go to Utah. Maria Montessori Academy in North Ogden, Utah, experienced a public backlash after announcing plans to make participation in the Black History Month curriculum optional for students. 
the um, Academy director said, we regret that after receiving requests, an opt-out form was sent out concerning activities planned during the Black History Month of celebration. We are grateful that the families who had initially questioned and concerned this have willingly come to the table to resolve their differences, and at this time, no families are opting out of the planned activities, and we have removed the option to opt out. So the school says that a few families had initially requested an exception from the instruction, but they declined to say how many families or what the reasons were. There was an um, individual from the Ogden chapter of the NAACP who said she contacted the school directly to ask about the decision to make the curriculum optional. And one of the other interesting points from this story is that data from the Utah State Board of Education shows that only three of the academy's 322 students are black, while 70% of them are white. This is just some bullshit. There's all sorts of dicks in this story. There are. So, like, what the fuck? We're sending an opt out form to parents if you don't want to learn about black history? So, my whole thing, and this is something that Trevor Noah covered on his show, and he's like, the school should just make this their way of teaching people about black history by saying, do you know who couldn't opt out of whatever they were told to do? the slaves right you know who can't yeah. opt out of learning about black history your children black history lesson solved you're welcome well th i mean the whole thing and, and and the fact that uh these these quote we are grateful that the families that initially had questions and concerns have willingly come to the table to resolve any differences and at this time no families are opting out of the planned activities and we have removed this option Wait, so what you mean is these fucking asshole racist motherfuckers didn't want to be shamed, so they're like, oh, no, we're sorry. Just do whatever you're going to... Like, fuck you, people. I'm, this, this fucking irritates the shit out of me. Like, it, it, what the fuck? What, what, why, do, why do you want to indoctrinate your children into stupidity? I don't fucking get it. Like, I, I just don't understand it. And this goes to the heart of what we talked about before, right? Like... We, 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 I, I take a very pessimistic point of view of the future of this country because of the way that things are going and the way that people are. And we try to look at the positive aspect of, well, you know what? The children are going to learn and the children are going to get better and things are going to get better. And, the, and then to the point that I had is that you've got the parents who are teaching the kids. And this is a perfect fucking example of that. Right. These are people who are just passing their biases and their bullshit off to their kids. And you could say, you could argue, since this doesn't specifically call out that this is a racist you know, approach that they're, you know, that these are bigots or et cetera, et cetera. It also doesn't say why these people are op trying to opt out of this. Right. So that kind of leads me to believe that's probably not a positive approach. Not that there's a fucking positive angle of this anyway. Right. Well, and, Whew, all right. I gotta get off my, my soapbox. <laughs> well, and one of the things with this story in general is there are people who have said, look, like, as individuals from minority groups, we think it is important that all children learn about the struggles of different groups and how not to repeat those cycles, right? So I think that's the lens that we should be taking on Black history is that a lot of people get real defensive about it and they're like, oh, well, you shouldn't be saying that these people are bad and blah, 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 blah. But it's like, it's not that we're trying to just throw blame on people or anything. We're trying to educate this is what has happened. These were the repercussions 
from what has happened. So how do we not repeat this cycle? But it feels like, and this may be my own bias coming through, but it feels like we as Americans have been so like selfish and into our own things is that we just continue to repeat and cycle these things. And we see this throughout so many pieces of life, whether it's history, whether it's politics, whether it's the way that we're handling COVID, like people don't learn from the mistakes of the past. Well, and you can't learn from any mistakes from the past if you don't talk about it, right? Like if you just hide from it, if you pretend it didn't happen, if you bury your head in the sand, wear a blindfold, of course, no, nothing's ever going to change, right? And why should, I'm going to go out on a limb. I, I, I'm going to take a chance here, chat. Why should these upper middle class white people wanted to change anyway? That's who these fucking people are. Don't tell me they're not, right? This is why they don't want it to change because it's going to, it's going to impact their fucking livelihood, their ability to run to the bank whenever they want their ability to press, you know, press down and push down people who they deem as being lesser than them. Of course, they don't want their kids to learn any different. They want them to learn their way of being, which is that, you know, white is right or what the fuck ever. Fuck all this, man. Well, I feel like you're getting a little agitated, so I feel like we should move to the next topic and hopefully find something that is less offensive. But looking at this uh, board <laughs> of options kind of that we have, I, I don't think it, I, I I have no hope for you. I'm sorry. No, I'm having a heart attack tonight. I'm just telling everybody right now. Be prepared for it. Oh, this is a good one. Denver Star Program. This oh, is, this, like, is this is like the, this is this is the one good one. It really is the one good one. So, <laughs> for for your one feel good topic of the day, and then we might just impromptu end this podcast because everything <laughs> else is just going to set your heart on fire. Uh, so, yeah. Denver, Colorado, since June first of twenty twenty, a mental health clinician and a paramedic have traveled around the city of Denver in a van handling low-level incidents like trespassing and mental health episodes that would have otherwise fallen to patrol officers. In its first six months, the Support Team Assisted Response Program, or STAR, has responded to 748 incidents. None of these incidents required additional police follow-up or led to arrests or jail time. The civilian team has handled close to six incidents a day from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday in high-demand neighborhoods. STAR does not yet have enough people or vans to respond to every nonviolent incident, but about 3% of calls for DPD service or over 2,500 incidents would have qualified for this alternative approach, according to a report. So basically what this program is, is it represents a more empathetic approach to policing that keeps people out of the cyclical criminal justice system by connecting them with services like shelter, food aid, counseling, and needed medication. The program also cuts down on encounters between uniformed officers and civilians for situations that are not, you know, basically essential to violence or that are escalating to violence immediately. So what are your thoughts on this, Christopher? This is exactly what we have been talking about when we talk about defunding police, right? Like defunding police doesn't mean you just cut the number of officers are out there. It doesn't mean you just take that million dollar budget and make it $500,000, right? That, that's not what, that's not what this, the whole thing has been about. The whole point is to make sure that people that are trained in the areas that 
that need to interact with these people are the ones that are interacting with these people. Instead, what we have today is all of these issues and things that are happening, they all have police that are sent. And when I'm looking at the list of things that led to the contact here, trespassing, which maybe you could say could be a police issue, possibly a welfare check assist. I'm not sure what an assist is. Maybe that's like a uh, Steph Curry thing or something. A suicidal person, a subject stop, whatever that is, maintenance, disturbance, indecent exposure, intoxicated person. Like, are these really things that a police officer needs to be there for? Probably not. And when you look at the primary concerns on most of these, the vast majority of them, uh, or the big chunk of it at least, are mental health issues. That is not what a police officer is trained to do. Some of them may be, sure, right? But the vast majority of police officers, that's not what they're trained for. So if you can get these individuals who are trained for this to get out and work with these individuals, like that's a huge win. Not only does that allow police officers to focus on what they need to do, which is actually dealing with legitimate crimes that are happening, but it also allows these individuals to, uh, well, first of all, it, it takes these people out of harm's way in a lot of ways, right? Because let's be fucking honest, cops are fucking killing people, especially if you're black. If you're black, watch out, because they're going to shoot you. And I say that kind of jokingly, but it's the fucking truth. They're going to shoot you. So this this takes that element out. Um, it also gets people who, who need help in contact with people who can help them or at least can help point them in the direction where they need the help. There's so many benefits to this. Of course, there are some some questions too, like what is what is the long-term focus on this? Um, and that that's really what uh, the, the police chief was talking about here is... Um, what what is it? What is this going to mean going forward? Is there is there going to be, uh, what is the long term effect? Are people going to be less impacted this way than they would be if they had police interaction? Well, if you're not dead, I would think that you could probably do better things in the future. And uh, I'm thinking that taking somebody who you know was suicidal and locking them up in a in a jail or a prison or putting them in a mental hospital for six months probably doesn't help them a whole hell of a lot. So I think that there's a lot of benefits here. Uh, I, I just, I think the reason why I put this in to our, our list of stories for the week is one, it's a positive story and so much of what we do are negative stories. But two, I really think that this is a bright shining example of what the future can and should be when it comes to helping people who are in need in our community. I, I, I love this. I love everything about this. Right. And that's one of the things that the police chief talked about is that, you know, having these lower level calls go to the civilian teams isn't about reallocating budgets. It's about solving the two problems at once. So you're getting these individuals and residents who just need a little bit of a nudge or a little bit of help or a little bit of something, the help that they need, while also allowing the trained police officers to focus on the other high violence, high incidence crimes that require more of that tactical background. So right. it allows for a more holistic and well-rounded approach to policing. And ultimately it sounds like their goal is to fill out the program. So every neighborhood can use the services 24 hours a day instead of just weekdays and during normal business hours. Now, mm -hmm. a couple of the thoughts that I have about this are, I think that it's really good. I really like this approach. I do wonder what will happen and what people's response will be when and if one of these situations does turn violent because you know odds are at some point it will happen and right. you know how will people respond to that and i also think that it might be interesting to consider 
how will that be handled, especially in these overnight situations versus during the day? Now, again, I may be just making false assumptions here, but generally speaking, during the day, I feel like people are putting their guard down a little more where like if you have somebody who is you know for example you said like intoxication if somebody is intoxicated on a street corner at three o'clock in the afternoon i don't know how concerned you are about them versus if somebody is like horrendously intoxicated at two in the morning do you feel more concerned or less concerned about that situation i guess i don't know what the answer to that is but it's a consideration in how they would administer it but i really do feel like this is a great step and a great program to give something like this a try yeah and wiggum calls out that uh this program should have some sort of immediate response or backup plan if and when that happens and i agree i think this isn't black and white right there's 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 nothing black and white about this there's 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 a lot of of um, nuance to this plan, right? Or, or at least there should be, uh, because there are going to be situations where, you know what, we, we can look at this and say, we're just doing a welfare check. Yep. We don't need the police to show up. Mm-hmm. Right. Or maybe we're doing a welfare check because this individual has beaten up their mother three times in the last six months. Well, m- maybe on one of those, you don't need police backup, but maybe on the other one, the police do come. Yeah. But maybe the police aren't the ones who are leading the charge, right? Yeah. Maybe the police are sitting outside on the steps, well, not sitting there, but standing out on the steps while these individuals go in and have that conversation. And if things turn sour, they've got backup that can immediately come in, right? Or maybe some of these are, you know, this guy's been known to carry guns and beat up his mom every three months. And so now we want the police to go in just in case. The whole there's a whole spectrum there. Yeah. So I, I I think that making sure that we've got that accounted for makes sense. But the more that we can push things in the direction of these individuals handling these cases that police a shouldn't be dealing with and b aren't equipped to to deal with, the better off we're going to be. Hundred percent. And that was one of the thoughts that I was going to propose is that maybe this at some point becomes like a three person team where you have your yeah. care person go in and your paramedic go in and you have the someone who is an officer there, but maybe they are more trained in conflict resolution. And maybe this is not the person that you're going to send out to do like tactical SWAT training, but they primarily go with these units to provide that ancillary support. Yeah, nope. I a hundred percent agree. Awesome. Well, hopefully other communities can start trying something like this and we can get some momentum rolling. Yeah, I hope so. I think this is this is great stuff. All right. Well, are you ready well, to transition it's back? It's got to be a dick. I was gonna say, are you ready to go into the land of dicks here? It's still not a dick. I'm. Well, I mean, they're probably dicks too. This is about the fifty-five million dollars space odyssey. What's what's that all oh, about? Oh, there dude? are one thousand percent dicks in this story. <laughs> I I would I would I would put fifty-five million dollars on it. So. The first would-be spaceflight crew comp or yeah, uh, let's restart that. The first would-be spaceflight. Jeez, I cannot talk. Apparently, see, I'm so like, I'm just like, oh, we're going into the terrible stories. So, there is a spaceflight crew that's going to be all private citizens that will be going to space. There are three extremely wealthy men who have agreed to pay $55 million each for an eight-day stay at the International Space Station. So, sometime in 2022, if all goes according to plan, the three men, Larry Connor, a managing partner of the Connor Group, um, what's Mark Pathy, the chief executive of Maverick Corp., a Canadian investment firm, and 
Eaton Stib, a businessman and former Israeli Air Force fighter pilot, will lift off from the Kennedy Space Center aboard a SpaceX Dragon spacecraft for what is scheduled to be an eight-day stay on the space station. Accompanying them will be Michael Lopez, a former NASA astronaut who flew to space four times and is now a vice president of Axiom Space, the Houston-based company coordinating the trip. So this individual is going to be overseeing the training and will serve as the mission's commander. So at least these people don't have to actually fly the spaceship. <laughs> um, Emily just responded. These guys sound like a bag of dicks. I, you know what? That kind of seems to be the theme for the night. So they probably are. Yep. If it takes place as envisioned, the flight would mark a watershed moment in human space flight. One that according to Axiom will eventually make space more accessible and further erode the monopoly that governments have long held on space travel. The company is finalizing the deal and plans two flights per year and possibly at some point will develop a space station of their own. Now, can I, can I rant on this for a minute? Sure. Go for it. I take a lot of issue with the whole, this will eventually make space more accessible and further erode the monopoly that governments have. You're charging people $55 million to go to space. That is not accessible. $55 million. That is corporate greed. What are you doing with that $55 million? You're not reinvesting that. You're not putting that into things. You're putting that in your pockets. Okay. Fair. You can you can go on this one. What would you like to say? So I was I was I was trying to uh, I was trying to look up the cost of spaceflight because let's be honest, spaceflight is not cheap. Uh, when you when you think about all the things that go into it, on top of that, there's the uh, you know just just the hardware that we've got to get them up there. There's the fuel. There's all the people that are involved because I believe that NASA still oversees all this stuff. Um, so you've got all of that in infrastructure that has to be accounted for. Um, you've got the wear and tear and everything going on with the International Space Station. So this is not cheap. Um, it didn't. I didn't see. I didn't see numbers onto here, and I'm just kind of scrolling through it really quickly. But um, it, it's. I'm sure it's not cheap. Now, whether it costs fifty-five million dollars, I'm sure that they're making some money off of this, right? But I would imagine that they're. It's not. It's not a $10,000 trip that they're charging $55 million for, right? I'm, I'm sure that the cost of flying them up there is millions upon millions of dollars. So that's probably why part of the reason why it costs so much. That said, I do think that, you know, this does make space more accessible in a couple of ways. So one, is it going to make it so that you and I can fly to space next year? No, of course not, right? Because it's still going to be incredibly expensive. Now, maybe at some point as this continues on, this may be able to be made less expensive, potentially. Um, I don't know that that's ever going to be the the end case necessarily, but perhaps it'll get there. But I think the simple thing that they're talking about with accessibility is just the fact that somebody can do this, that a, a citizen actually has the ability to do this. Because before, that wasn't it wasn't the case. Like NASA controlled space from, from the U- U.S. perspective. If you wanted to go to space, you had to go through NASA. That's the only way to do that. And now there's a private company. Not only is there a private company that's flying to space, but they're even being, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? They're being subcontracted, I guess, with NASA to fly some of NASA stuff into space. So it's it's really a big watershed moment that that things are changing from being wholly government-owned to now a little bit more on the private side. 
and it opens up the possibility for people to do this. So um, I'm excited about it. I love the idea of going into space. I mean, is yes, it's obscenely expensive to do it, but I'm sure it's obscenely expensive to put all that stuff together and to to get up to space to begin with. Did, did I did I knock you speechless? No, I'm just gonna keep my mouth shut on this topic. Like I. I agree with the fact that, hey, if these people want to spend this money, cool. Like, I feel like there is a lot that people could do for others with that type of money, but everybody's going to make a different decision. And I agree that, you know, having a private company offer this for individuals makes it more accessible to, again, it's kind of a 1% thing, right? Because instead of being accessible to 0% of people or 1% of people who go through all of this training and work for NASA, now it's accessible to 2% of people, the 1% of people who work for NASA and the 1% of people who can afford this. Right. Yeah. But you know what? I And it sucks because I can never afford it, right? I'll never be able to afford to do that. But um, I don't know. I guess a part of me says... Um, I don't know that that should hold these people back from doing that. On the flip side, what I do think is worth noting is, uh, what is there, three people, 55 million each, 150, $60 million? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that would go a hell of a long way towards feeding people in this country who are starving to death. Right. I mean, I would say that, you know? Yeah. So I, do I think that our priorities are a little bit screwed up? Yeah, absolutely. Um, does that necessarily mean that this shouldn't be going on? I don't know that it means that. I just think that as a whole, as a species, but especially as a country, we've, uh, you know, there's, there, we've definitely got our priorities screwed up. Yeah, I mean. And Wiggum brings up a pretty decent, decent uh, thought, but, you know, think of like early flight travel, like the planes and, uh, you know, the Wright brothers and all that kind of stuff, right? Everything starts off as expensive and as dangerous and, and, and that and that. I don't know that this is ever going to get as commonplace as those types of transportation are, but it's also... Let's be honest, Elon Musk is is really about pushing things forward. That's what he's going to do. These individuals are jumping on to, uh, uh, you know, to kind of be a part of that and obviously to get their jollies off going up into space. So, yeah, I guess I guess what I would summarize, and I've, I've kind of babbled a little bit, but uh, like I have no ill will towards these guys. If they got the money and they want to do that, great, so be it. Uh, but as, as, a, as a country overall, I think that we have our priorities a little bit screwed up. Yep, you basically just summed up everything that I feel on the topic. So I Perfect. completely agree with what you have just said. All right, I'm spinning the wheel now. Even though Wiggum wants to talk about George Jetson. All right, we got a dick in the house. Uh-oh. Morgan Wallen, I don't know who that is. Neither do I. I. He's a singer or something, but uh, I know you've got some feelings. So, so tell us your feelings. All right, so Morgan. So this article, kind of the topic of the article is saying that country music takes a stand on Morgan Wallen. So the country music genre has become a mirror for the societal tensions that our country has been currently trying to navigate. Morgan Wallen was caught on tape using the N word. And this happened four months after he was uh, mired in another controversy where he was supposed to be on Saturday night live, but then his invitation was rescinded after he had violated COVID safety protocols. So after this video came out where he was caught on tape using the N-word, Wallen's music and videos have been dropped by country radio, streaming platforms, and CMT. The Academy of Country Music announced that it will halt 
Wallen's involvement in the Academy of Country Music Awards cycle, and his label has announced that he has been suspended indefinitely. So this is something that the country music field kind of came together and just basically said, like, hey, you shouldn't be doing that, and we can't have stuff like this. And then kind of on the opposite side of the spectrum here, there was an artist, TJ Osborne, who came out as the first public um, male artist signed to a major record label in Nashville, and he came out as openly gay. So one of the things that happened there is that the country music community seems to have really kind of rallied around this person, and they're really happy for him and proud that he's able to come out and be open with who he is in the country music community and people have started to say well you know if the country music community can do this how are we still so broken as a country that you know we can't come together on some of these issues with everything that's going on in our government and things that our politicians are saying and i have some very interesting thoughts on this do you want to kind of give some thoughts or do you want me to just kind of go into my thoughts first well, well let me start with the fact that if you look if you go to like twitter or facebook or, and you search for this fucking guy's name you're gonna find all sorts of stupid ass people who are talking about how this is horrible and i still love him and he's still the greatest and i'm still gonna listen to him and i'm still gonna go to his concert if he has him mm -hmm. and i think he's an amazing person and he's only speaking what he believes and blah 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 these that's why we can't come together as a country country music isn't coming together either you got the people who think that it's great to say the n-word because they want to say the n-word and they like saying the n-word so i'm gonna say the n-word as many times as i can say the n-word and so they're supporting this guy because they think it's great that he stands up and he says what he believes and then you got the other people that are saying you're a fucking asshole you can't be doing that kind of shit get the fuck out of here so i think it's great that they're saying look at the way country music's coming together because why can't we do this as a country but hey if you look just barely like just a sliver below the surface they're not coming together either so nice try what do you got, B? So my whole thought about this, I'm taking a little bit of a different approach. I think we're going to intersect, though. So the thing about country music, right? So all of these record labels and all of these big things, they are not held responsible by people. If they fire this guy into the sun and say, hey, you're fired and we're not going to play your music and we're not going to do anything, it's on them. They're going to take whatever profit loss from that and just move forward. They are not accountable to those people that you're seeing online who are like, oh my God, like I want this person to be my baby daddy and I'm going to listen to him anyway. And he's right. And all of that. They are not accountable to these people because right. they aren't getting voted in, voted out, anything like that. They're not accountable. So they're going to do what's in the best interest of their business, which is to separate themselves from scandals like this gentleman. So the biggest thing that I've realized is this is where our politicians have gone wrong. Because in theory, when our country was founded, our country was founded so that politicians would represent the best interests of the people that they represent. Today's politicians no longer want to represent the best interests of the people that they represent. They just want to represent the views that are going to get the most votes from the people that they represent. So what we basically have turned into with politics is we've turned into a religion. So people, no matter whether they feel like it's right, wrong, or indifferent, they are going to just blindly follow 
whatever it is that's going to get them the most popularity. And right now, we're like that with a lot of this kind of Donald Trump movement. So these folks, and we've seen it in some of the different votes. So for example, the Liz Cheney thing where they tried to censure her, but they all got to vote in silence and nobody knows who voted for what, and they didn't censure her. But we're seeing the impeachment trial right now. And we saw the stuff with Marjorie Taylor Greene and everybody's just voting down party line because they don't want to be held accountable by their constituents who are still, you know, enough in force that there's enough individuals out there who are on the MAGA bandwagon that if they go against that, they will get voted out. And that's what they're afraid of. They're afraid of actually taking a moral and ethical stand for what is right versus their own popularity. And that's the problem. And that's why people are saying, oh, country music can do this because they can take this ethical and moral stand because they're not going to be held accountable if they don't do it, because they're not going to get voted out if they, you know, if they do this, they're not going to get voted out. If they don't do it, they're not going to get voted out. But you know, the guy in wherever he's from, Missouri, he's going to get voted out if he doesn't go with crazy Trump. So like, that's our problem right now. That's honestly what reading this and thinking about what I'm seeing has made me come to. What are your thoughts about that? Well, yeah, I think there's, there's some truth to that. So I think there's, uh, I'm going to use the word nuance again. There's a lot of nuance here. Um, I I would like to say that we're seeing a lot of action on this front. I mean, we've got three dicks in the, the show today that we're going to talk about that that facing similar type of things. Two of them are very similar. One of them a little bit different. Um, I think we're seeing we're seeing companies, we're seeing platforms, we see we're seeing people start to rise up and hold people to account for the bullshit that they're spreading. Uh, I know a lot of people like to throw this around as a First Amendment thing, but you know the the, the thing is. And everybody's heard the same thing. The First Amendment basically just says that you can say what you want to say. But it doesn't say that you're not an asshole, and it doesn't say that people can't hold you accountable for what you're saying. And that's what we're seeing, is we're seeing a lot of this. Now, to your point, um, that accountability looks very, very different depending on where in society it's happening, right? So it looks different if you're the president of the United States. It looks different if you're in Congress and you're trying to vote for this thing or that thing. It looks different if you're a business owner regardless of how big the business is. Um, it looks different if you are a person on the end, if you're a celebrity, if you're not a celebrity, right? It looks different all over the place. I think the fact that we are in a time where some of these things are being, uh, where some, some of these things are happening, where we're seeing movement, I think is a very good thing. I do think that it's a slippery slope. I agree with that. I know there's a lot of people definitely on the other side of the aisle than I am who, who like to, to hound on that. I think it is a little bit of a slippery slope. I think we have to be careful on that because I do think that there is an opportunity for us to um, to kind of lose that high ground, so to speak, um, if, if if things go too far. But uh, yeah, to your to your point, I mean, if we want to make this political, you know, we all know that I hate most politicians. I think it's a it's nothing but a game, and it's all about money. And you know, those three dicks we talked about earlier who have the fifty five million dollars to go to space, they can stuff pockets with whatever they need, and and that people vote their way. So yeah, I mean, there's there are certain people who are doing things, but a lot of people are just they're they're holding back and they're judging, right? They're looking at what is best for me, what is best for 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 number one, what do I need to do to take care of me, right? We talked a few weeks ago about Mitch McConnell when he came up and he spoke about what happened uh, on the insurgents of the Capitol. Now for four fucking years, this guy did nothing but lick 
Donald Trump's boots. Like he would not look at him wrong. I mean, he was a dog for that man. He was like just literally a dog for that guy. But then once he felt the tide starting to turn and he started to see that things weren't, you know, it wasn't, it was, I didn't have to 100% be in his camp. Then finally he spoke out a little bit, right? Because all he's doing is he's just feeling that political wind and he's going whichever way is going to keep him elected and keep him in a position where he's going to be able to stuff his pockets. And then he backtracked that's, that's, it that's again, like, though. He backtracked Of course it. he did. Of course, because he's going to, he's just going to look at where the wind's blowing, you know? So I think there's a lot of that and that's horseshit. And we have to get around that. We need people who are willing to stand up and actually speak from the heart and speak what's true. I think when it comes from the, the private sector, the right private sector, mm-hmm. um, like the people who, you know, shit can this Morgan Rollin guy, um, some of it is definitely protecting my own pocketbooks, right? Because um, you never know when these things are going to turn and then the quote unquote cancel culture is going to turn on them and turn on their record label and say, wait a second. If you're okay with this, now we're just going to spin it on you. And now all of a sudden they take that big hit. So I think that companies are making moves for a couple of reasons. I think one of it is a PR thing because we need to make sure that we're standing up and and we're protecting ourselves. But I think there is also that side where it is we also are protecting what's right. Right. And I wish there's a lot more of the latter than the former. I'm pretty sure there's probably more of the former than the latter. But the fact that we're still seeing this happen is an important step. No, I would agree with that. And that I just wanted to draw that parallel between this and politics because people are asking the questions, well, why are we not seeing this out of our politicians, but we're seeing it out of our private sector businesses? And in the end, it's a little bit different with the private sector business because it's not like they get voted off the island if you know, they yeah. don't do what people consider is the right thing. Right. So we, you know, you or I, as I might go, you know, what Steinhoffels didn't do right by me. I'm never going to buy anything from them again. They don't care. They don't care about yeah. me, but if they were a, you know, politician and I could vote them out of office, all of a sudden I wouldn't have been sleeping on my floor three weeks ago. Right. Yeah. I think, I think what we're looking at is, Public sector versus public, right? Public or private, whatever, whatever. You know, the two different sides of things, business versus politicians. Um, it, it, it really is the approach of what they need to do, right? So business, um, they want to get ahead of it because if they're, if they're ahead of it, uh, it, it doesn't, like they might get a little bit of backlash, but for the most part, it's going to be a positive thing for them because we're out in front of it and we're making a decision. Yep. But if they are behind the curve, now all of a sudden, if, you know, if this record company had not acted, then people could just completely blow up and now all of a sudden they're getting attacked. So it it, it makes sense for business to get out in front of it. Mm-hmm. Politicians can't do that because if they get out in front, now they are all out on their own. They're not part of that big group base, uh, you know, the uh, where they're going to get a bunch of those easy votes. Um, it could be a situation where now they're left and they're voted off the island, so to speak, right? So for politicians, it's the opposite thing. I want to be slow to change. Because if I'm slow, then I'm still part of that group. What what do they call that group in the uh, the Tour de France, right? Like the Peloton or whatever, like that one group that all they all get the same time. Like I just want to be part of that group. I don't want to be crazy. And then once you know three or four people start to take off and get a lead, then maybe I'll follow and I'll be good. But until then, I'm just gonna stay with the group. That way, nobody can pick me off. Did I take it too far? No, I'm just like. I'm just feeling disgusted in general. So I feel like we should just move on to our next topic. All right, I'm spinning. We're going to get another dick, though. I'm just telling you, we're coming right back to it. Oh, we're not. It's not dicks. 
man, we got all these dicks on the show and we're not getting them. Oh. We're not getting the dicks. D, I wanted B, I wanted the dicks. Why am I not getting Oh, this anyway. This this was this uh, was gonna be my uh topic for the patrons, but I guess we're gonna cover it here. Oh. Well, maybe we'll have more to say. This is about transgender athletes. This is a very interesting topic. Yep. So this is one that I saw and I immediately thought of you because we had had like we started this conversation a couple of weeks ago, but then we yeah. didn't really continue it. So there is a women in sports policy working group that has started and a handful of scholars and elite athletes are on this group and this group has presented a plan they said would allow transgender youth to participate in school athletics now a very important part to know about this group is that none of the group's six members identify as transgender now the group which includes tennis legend martina navratilova and an olympic gold medalist swimmer donna de verona they claim to be the middle ground in a debate consuming state legislatures and agonizing equality advocates the question is do transgender girls have an unfair competitive advantage in sports and the reason that i wanted to bring this out is because i feel like you raised that exact question when we had talked about this in a previous conversation so the reason that this all kind of came about is that this proposal is an alternative to an executive order that has been signed by president joe biden that directs agencies to enforce the supreme court's june 2020 finding that the civil rights act of 1964 which bans sex discrimination applies to lgbtq plus workers Although Biden's order does not create a specific policy, the directive does interpret the ruling to extend beyond employment, specifically citing, among other things, supports for children. So um, LGBTQ plus advocates have promoted policies letting transgender youth play on teams where they are most comfortable, typically with the team of the gender they identify. Now, 17 states and Washington, D.C. already have policies in place that allow for this in uh, high schools. Now, this working group has criticized those policies, saying that they allow transgender girls with unmitigated testosterone to enter competitions against their cisgender peers. They propose that transgender girls compete with other girls only if they have taken hormones to medically transition and that they undergo testing. They say that trans girls who did not qualify for this would be forced into a third category with their own heats, games, and podiums. Now, this group's policy aims to follow testing practices done in things such as the IOC, which allows transgender athletes to compete after medical transition and, you know, all of the testing stuff that generally has to go on with the IOC. LGBTQ plus advocates and transgender athletes have largely denounced the working group as disingenuous and an attempt to exclude trans girls because it has been created without the input of anyone who is trans. So one of the um, individuals said, how are you going to claim that you're creating a fair situation here when you're not involving actual trans athletes and actual trans people in the discussion? Now, one thing that has also come out of this is that trans youth advocates are hesitant to engage in discussions about medical transition at all because many trans youth can put off puberty by going on temporary hormone blockers and a number of trans youth at that age identify as non-binary. So the other part about that is their information at that age is private, so they worry that subjecting these children to testing is an unnecessary and invasive hurdle for participating in the sport. So that's a lot, Christopher. What are your thoughts on it? 
Well, I think the first and most obvious thing to mention is um, I am going to get a group of people, very well-renowned people. Um, I'm going to get five of them, and they're all going to be white, and they're all going to be old, and they're all going to be guys. And we are going to have a commission, and we are going to decide the way that black people should be treated in this country. Isn't that, that seems how, fair, doesn't it? Isn't that how we've done it for the last 244 it, it is, years? It, it <laughs> I mean, we've done it. honestly, uh, no. Like the fact, the fact that they, I, and I believe when I read through this, not only did they not openly invite somebody who is transgender into this group, they actually blocked somebody who is transgender who wanted to join into the group. So like how, how I get it, you know, obviously there's some people on here who are, who are LGBTQ plus individuals. I get that. But what the fuck makes you think that you're the person that can have this conversation and make these decisions when these individuals are not even in the goddamn room? My, that is just so goddamn stupid and self-centered. It's just, it just blows my goddamn mind. I mean, you have to put these people in that room because no matter how much you think you know about it, you are not that person. No matter how much I think that I'm, I might have a decent read on you know, the way that, that black people are treated in this country. Guess what? Surprise. I ain't black. I don't know what it's like to be black. I'm never going to know what it's like to be black. I just don't know that. Now I may have a decent idea as to some of the things I sure shit don't know everything. So the fact that they don't have transgender people in this committee or group or whatever it is, is just fucking mind blowing. And as far as I'm concerned, it cuts their legs off from under them immediately. You lose all credibility because you don't even have these individuals in the room. That's what I'm going to start with, and I'll let you feed off that. I got I got more, though. Right. And a couple of the thoughts with this is that there are very few studies around this, but some of the studies that have been done show that while in maybe transgender adults, there may be a competitive balance issue in transgender teens, it hasn't necessarily been shown that there is a competitive advantage. And one of the concerns about folks from the LGBT community is that folks are basically kind of cherry picking this on the basis of winning because what these folks are trying to do is they're trying to have a complete guarantee about winning and winning is not the human right here participation in the sport is the human right so that's kind of what they're saying is a thing that's important and i really feel like it is challenging to ask these individuals to go through testing and expose themselves in that way because how many of these individuals may not even be you know out so to speak in that way in their school right because there's so much stigma and so much challenge so to tell someone oh well you know you can't participate in the team that you identify with because you might possibly question mark have some testosterone like i understand if we're talking about an olympic level sport i would even be understanding if we're talking about college sports because they're a major corporation sponsoring this event these are high school sports and below do we as people realize how different high school sports are if you look at two high school sports teams they may be completely different it might not even be a competitive matchup at all and that's okay because what we're trying to do is we're trying to encourage all of these people to come together to participate in some type of extracurricular event that will hopefully help them either emotionally mental health wise physically 
with connections to other people and their peers, right? Like that should be the goal of this. The goal of this should not be, well, you are competing against me and you're too big and da, 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 da. Okay. So if that's the case, then do we have to look at every single football team and say, well, these guys over here actually have a gym because they live in the affluent part of town <laughs> and the guys over here, none of them actually go to football practice because everybody's working a second job to support their family, right? Like we, th I really resonate with that whole, they're just trying to get a guarantee on winning here. And I think that that's bullshit. I think that's part of it, but I mean, to be fair, how many professional football players in the NFL do you know that didn't play football in high school? How many MLB players didn't play baseball in high school? How many Olympic athletes did not participate in their Olympic sport in high school? So saying that this isn't the same level as the Olympics, the same level as college, yes, that's true, but high school and, and below is a building block to get to that point. So I think that there is some legitimacy to that. Um, I don't know the answer. I mean, just point blank, I don't know what the answer is. I do think, one thing that I think I can speak a little bit on, I certainly don't know from firsthand knowledge, but um, the, the point you brought up that this is, this is a potentially a very traumatizing experience for a young person. Young people are dealing with their, their who they are personally and emotionally and sexually, all of that, just normal cis, children struggle with this constantly. Everyone does to some degree or another. And now you add that extra layer that this is a trans individual and you're going to, you're going to make them jump through all these hoops just because they want to go out and fucking play soccer. Uh, that I have a big, big problem with that. I understand the competitive balance aspect of that. I even, in a way, I even agree with that, 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 that's something that, in today's world or in, in the world of the past has been something that, um, that, that it's going to have to change. There's going to be a shift. I don't know what that is. I don't know what the right answer is. Um, I know that there needs to be trans individuals in the room to figure out what the answer is though. Uh, and I, and I have, I have a really, really big issue with trying to, um, push all these different tests and things on these kids. I, I struggle with that. So I don't, I don't know what the answer is on this one. Yeah, because that would be my question. Are you testing every kid for steroids? Are you testing every kid for drugs? Are you like, if you're going to make these kids test, are you testing everybody else's testosterone levels? Because if you're going to test their testosterone level, are you testing little Jimmy's testosterone level over here? Because if you're not, you should be. I, I mean, I think that's a great question, right? So what what is what is, what are we actually testing for, right? It seems like testosterone is the one. So is there a scale? Is there a line? If your testosterone is over X, then you go to the quote unquote, I mean, you can't even really, do you call it the men's group? Maybe, maybe not. But are there, are there going to be women who, I don't know how the testosterone works. I'm not, I'm not a scientist. Are, is it possible there could be cis women whose testosterone level tests above that? Or cis men or boys whose, cis, whose testosterone level tests below that? In theory, yeah. Well, if that's the case, is it then, is it then men's and women's or boys and girls? Or is it group red group green or whatever you want to call it right, right? I, exactly i don't know I, I i mean if you if you are only going to test the individuals who say that they're you know i am a trans individual um and i want to play soccer on the girls team because i identify as as a girl and i have to go through the extra tests 
but everybody else doesn't. They now now that's that that is not even close to being okay. Right, and that's kind of where I'm coming from because if we're looking at it, like they're not testing little Jimmy over here, right? So, and I'm, I'm with Wiggum here. How about sports is about fun and stops being so focused on winning and losing. Let those who want to play, play. And the thing about this is what I was saying with high school and, you know, elementary school and middle school. Yes, all of these people or a majority of these people played in high school. The folks who made it, made it based on their hard work, their dedication, and their trying. I personally do not feel like having a handful of individuals who identify as trans being in their sport would have stopped them from getting there. You know, like it, I, I just feel like they're nitpicking this group. It's this to me is the same thing where people go, Oh, I don't want trans people in my bathroom. Well, you really have a problem with the fact that you are afraid of predatory males. That's what you're afraid of. And you're using coded language to take it out on the trans community. And I'm tired of that shit. I'm, I'm with you here. Here's, here's the devil advocates point of view though. Um, you know, Wiggum says that sports is about winning at higher levels, but not with kids. You've probably seen the same videos on Twitter and Reddit and, and YouTube that I have. You know, parents freak the fuck out about this. So what's going to happen the first time a 10-year-old trans girl is out there playing with the girls and she scores three goals and, you know, the other 10-year-old girl's dad is up in the stands and he flips out and does whatever he's going to do. You know what I mean? So there, there's a there's a lot. It's this is not a black and white issue by any stretch. Um, I think we just have to do right by these individuals. That's what worries me, is that we've got a bunch of children who are going through already a very very difficult time. They're going to be isolated in their social pools. They're going to possibly be isolated at home. They they could have serious home issues. They could be getting abused. On top of that, their school life is in upheaval because they're not going to know how to how to deal with them and treat them to make sure that they're equal. They're going to be discriminated against. That's that's going to happen everywhere. And now this one respite that they might have, now you're going to throw all this extra turmoil on that. So that that's where my concern is, is we need to make sure somebody is in this room who can speak to those individuals and those children who are going to be impacted by this. That's the most important thing. I think the rest of that stuff can kind of work its way out. I don't think it's going to be easy because I think it's going to be a big change in the way that people view sports right now. Let's be honest. This is in a lot of ways a sports podcast, right? We talk about sports a lot. I know that a lot of the people who are here chatting right now are big sports fans and, you know, sports has such a huge culture behind it. And there's a lot about winning. And, you know, we can say that, you know, a 10 year old girl's soccer league isn't about, about winning and you shouldn't worry about that. But I guarantee you there are people in that stands that think that their little girl is going to be the next, I can't remember that girl's name, Morgan something, you know, that's going to be in the Olympics and going to make millions of dollars and they're going to freak the fuck out if anything has impacted them. So I think, I think that the, there's there's a lot there's a lot of things that that are going to play into this and it's going to be a pretty legit change before things are going to get to a point where it might be some semblance of normal and some semblance of you know an inclusive environment that is going to work for everybody right and not to keep cycling but that's the what you've identified is the problem because i agree with you we need to take the concerns of this group first and everybody else is putting their concerns into the forefront that's yeah. the problem yep. agreed Absolutely. All right. So we are, we're just at an hour. So I think it's time. It's time. To, uh, we're we're going to, you ready for this chat? Here it comes. We're going to hold a couple dicks 
And then we're going to move on to random rankings. All right. So you get, to, you get to hold the dicks, B. I'm not holding them. I mean, it's, it's your, it's your, uh, stream. So you're definitely the one that's holding them while I'm reading. This Fine. I'll hold rankings. the dicks. Okay. I've got the dicks. So while you're doing that, we're going to talk about our favorite ballpark foods. So the, so the football season is over. So now the boys of summer are taking over. This week, Sconzi and I will draft our favorite ballpark foods. To be clear, this isn't what we grill in the parking lot. It's what we splurge on inside the ballpark, you know, when they actually let us inside the ballpark again. TBD. Maybe. So, possibly. what I did was I pulled a list of the foods that, in theory, will be offered at American Family Field when that field is available uh. again. So, we have lots of different delicious options, and Sconti and I will pick as many as we feel like we want to pick. I didn't put a number, because I figured we would just pick, and then when we decide we don't want to pick anymore, we won't. Works for me. Do we want to put any specific specific um, criteria on it? Like, hey, you know, we each have to pick a main dish and a side, or do we just want to pick whatever we want to pick? That's a really good question. Um, well, let's leave it up to chat. Chat, what do you think? Should we put some stipulations on it or should we just go a la carte mode? I kind of like a la carte mode just because um, it's kind of like you're walking around the stadium and picking whatever you want, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I would say a la carte so mode is what I was that. thinking about. Let's, let's just make our way around the stadium and pick what we want. Okay. Let's do it. Now we got to gotta randomize this. Are we randomizing? All right. I mean, we're doing like the snake draft thing. I don't even, I didn't set it up whether it would be state, be steak. <laughs> steak. You're thinking food. So do we want to do snake or do we want to go back and forth? Oh, let's just do back and forth. All right. Uh, and I get to go first. All right. So Sconzi is on the board. To, are we able to, are we able to pick duplicates or can we only like once it's gone, it's gone. Once it's gone, it's gone. All right. Um, so what is my number one thing that I would want at Miller Park? You heard me chat. I said what I said. Um, I mean, you, you might as well just write it down. You already know what the answer is. Just write it down. I'm looking at the sheet right now. Just write it down, Brian. Just put it in there. You know what it is. That's the one right there. <laughs> I'm, choos I'm choosing the custard. It's always the custard, man. Even though people like to say, that's not really custard, that's soft serve. I don't give a shit what you call it. They call it custard. <laughs> I call it delicious. Custard is number one. I was going to say, if you're going to pull the Rastich, you got to say the man's name. <laughs> All right. So I knew you were going to pick custard. I was going to try to take custard from you, but. I know you were going to. I yeah. am going to win old man Wiggum's vote right now because. When you you're, you're, wait, are we gonna? I'm not even gonna say it. Just go ahead. So, while you're over there holding those couple of dicks, I am going to think about what do I want to do when I'm at Miller Park. So, whether it's April or May or July or September, every once in a while, I want some nice, warm, toasted nuts in my mouth. And I am going to go ahead and take Old Man Wiggum's roasted nuts. We often sit 
right next to the roasted nut stand. We sit up in the 400 level and there are days where all we smell are those roasted nuts coming right into the seating bowl. All you smell are nuts, man. Yep. And every once in a while, old man Wiggum will buy the nuts and he will say, hey, would you like to put my nuts in your mouth? And we go, I think we would. So I am taking old man Wiggum's roasted nuts. That's a good choice. That is a good choice. Um, you know, I want to take what I can't take, B. That's what's really bothering me. What you can't take? No, I want I want that old school fucking hamburger that they don't make anymore. <laughs> All I got is that garbage AJ, AJ Bomber's, Bomber's burger, burger, which which isn't great. It's not horrible, but it isn't great. Um so you know what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna say, go fuck yourself, AJ Bombers. And I'm taking the bratwurst, baby. It may be the worst runner in the goddamn soft race, but it's the best food you can get outside of the custard. Nice. So that leaves me considering my next pick. I think that I am going to go ahead and take something that actually has become one of my ballpark favorites, and it is the chicken strips. Now... The chicken strips, typically it comes in a basket with chicken strips and tater tots. I'm not going to cheat, though, because the list only says chicken strips. So I get the chicken strips, and technically I should get the tots, but we're not going to say that. But I really enjoy those because they're very easy to eat at the ballpark. You can dip them in your ketchup and barbecue sauce, and it's just a nice filling meal at the ballpark. Yeah, that's a good choice. That's a good choice. I was looking for one that I don't see on here, which I thought it was a, uh, I thought it was a standard option, but apparently it's not. So, what was it? The uh, the pierogies. Oh, I thought I saw those. I mean, unless they're like in a different option, different section here. Let's see. I think. No, I don't see them in here. Pierogies. No. Maybe those were like us, like the special, whatever. Maybe I thought they, I thought they were standard last, uh, whenever the hell it was the last time we were there. Um. All right. Well, I, I gotta get. Uh, what are, what are the Johnsonville sausages? Is that like all the sausages? No, that's just your variety of hot dogs and Polish and whatever. So do, do I get, do I get all of them if I choose that? You do not. Oh, I have to just pick one? Yep. Okay. Uh, um, uh, you know, I love my burgers, but man. Totally say casserole, not hot dish. What the hell is a hot dish? You know what a hot dish is? Is when you warm up your casserole and you try to take it out of the fucking microwave, your dish is hot. That's the hot dish. Um... I, you know, I kind of want to go with, let me just think when I go to Miller park, what I'm, I have to take the burger. Like, cause I always get the burger just cause I love burgers. And then you, you hate know, it so burger. much. <laughs> Every time I hate it, but I, I, it's the only burger there. I, I just remember like when they actually had the legit AJ bomber stand and it was like really good. Yeah. And then they used to have yeah. like special custards of the. Yes. The different players had their special custard. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it, that was a long time ago. It, For like what a year, maybe two. Yeah, three ish. But yeah, it's unfortunate, unfortunate that that no longer exists. But now it's garbage. It is. So now that you are not sponsored by AJ Bombers. Now that, Sorry, go on. Now that you have taken the AJ Bombers burger, I 
am going to take the good old Wisconsin Ultimate Cheese Fry. Now, this oh. is something that I've only had a couple of times, but whenever I've gotten it, it's been delicious. So the Wisconsin Ultimate Cheese Fry is a crispy craft beer battered twister fry topped with Sargento cheddar cheese sauce, chopped applewood smoked bacon, and fried cheese curds. So I get fries, I get cheese curds, I get bacon, and I get cheese sauce. So I get like all, I get like four different menu items in one. Wow, that's uh, I, I feel like that was uh, like a, a ringer that you're holding back. <laughs> I feel like I got I think I, I think I got screwed over on that one. No. Um, how many are we at? We're at three. We got to keep picking three each. So how many rounds are we going? Probably five. That's what we normally okay. do, right? Yep. I just I just needed to know because I've got a couple and I wanted to make sure that I don't leave something out. So if I take the baked potato, do I get all the baked potatoes? Nope. You just get a standard boring baked potato. I'm kidding. You can you can choose one of the variants. No, I want all of them just because I know that you like the baked potatoes. I, I have boycotted the baked potatoes since they got rid of the Chipotle chicken baked potato. Oh, okay. I'm boycotting the Dippin' Dots because it's not the ice cream of the future no matter <laughs> what the fuck they say. <laughs> Nobody eats that shit. Um... Oh God! What else do I get here? I mean, I get the other sausages, so I guess I. I mean, to be fair, you can go with the pierogies because they're not on. There's something on the there's because there's stuff that's not on this list that I know that they sell in the seating bowl. Yeah. That I would buy, but. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna throw that much of a curveball. I'm gonna take the mac and cheese. Okay. That's not a curveball at all, but that's definitely a no. you. Their mac and cheese is okay. It's certainly not great, but yeah. it'll tide you over. Okay. So now, assuming that we're eating all of oh, the, I to what? I totally should have taken all of the sausages so I could do the sausage cycle. Right? You should have done Damn. you should have done four sausages and then the custard. <laughs> yes, that's what I should have done. Damn it. So I missed my chance. I've got my roasted nuts, I've got my chicken strips, I've got my Wisconsin Ultimate Cheese Fries. I've got two options left. So one of the ones that I'm gonna take now is something that's kind of a niche item, but I think that it'll hit home with our crowd. So let's say that it's July. And we are at a 310 game and it's 96 degrees outside. And you're sweating <laughs> and the custard machine is broken and you just need something nice and cold in your mouth. What do you get, Christopher? Don't get dipping dots. What do you get, Christopher? You get margarita. You get the lemon ice. Oh, lemon ice. Okay. So lemon ice is one that I don't always get. But it's something that, like, when I get it, like, maybe once or twice a year, I get it on those really hot days, and it's fantastic. I knew mm, you would like that, nice. Wiggum. You didn't know where I was going, but I knew you'd like it. I'm, I'm a little disappointed that the margarita isn't on here. Well, none of the beverages are on there, so you can draft the margarita if you want. I'm not going to stop No, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to take another sausage, because, you know, that's probably what I would end up getting anyway. I don't know which one. Can't even buy the chorizo there anymore. What the fuck's up with that? You can take Probably you can the take Italian. the veggie dog. <laughs> fuck the veggie dog. I'm taking the Italian sausage. All right. So I've lost my momentum. 
I, 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 you know, I went with the custard and then I, it was all down there, downhill from there. That's fair. So for my last pick, I'm actually torn between a couple of options. So I could go with more of a like snack item or more of a meal item. So I think I'm going to go with more of the meal item. So the brewers have something called a nacho grande, which is basically nachos and you get to select your topping whether it's like beef or chicken and there they still have my nice chicken so i typically get the chicken nachos and i have been known maybe once a year to get the giant nacho helmet and share it with people so it's (laughs) it's a very delicious time and it's one of my favorites at the ballpark maybe maybe don't share anymore in covid times just saying well you know once once we're all vaccinated in 2025, we might be able to start sharing again. Maybe. I don't think I'll still be around. But this is one thing I've noticed as we went through this exercise, mm-hmm. is that you have a lot more variety in your ballpark foods. Yeah. Like, I'll get a burger, I'll get some sausages, and I'll get custard. And that's pretty much it. Like, I'm not touching anything else. Yep. Like, that's, that's, all, that's all I'm doing. Like, I put mac and cheese on there because I needed a fifth one. But, like... <laughs> I, I feel I feel like you've got a much wider game than I do. I'm surprised that you didn't take Aquafina as your fish. I didn't see, I didn't see it on here. I totally would have. Yeah, you're you're very predictable when it comes to your ballpark foods. Yeah, it's like well, I mess with what works. It's like man. you'll him and haw. You'll be like, should I get tacos? And then you come back with a burger <laughs> every time. <laughs> Does Wiggum just need nuts to be happy? I mean, I don't know that that's all he needs, but it definitely does help his mood quite a bit. Um, all right, B, I think uh, Wiggum has already voted for you. Um, we'll see what Emily thinks. And anybody else that's out there, go ahead and throw your vote. Do you think Brian has a better ballpark, ballpark, ballpark food meal or do I? And I had the custard. Just keep that in mind. It's true. Um, while you're while you're uh, figuring out what your answer is on that, I'm going to hand it over to B for his extra point. So I've had three things that have kind of been in my mind this week, and I'm still not sure which one that I want to go for. So at work, I've been doing a lot of diversity training, so I've had a lot of positive thoughts and momentum about how to be a better ally and advocate for those individuals who are experiencing challenge. Um, I also have some thoughts about an individual who recently passed away, and I did something very selfish this week. So I'm still not sure which one of these things I want to talk about, but I think I can wrap them all three into a nice little bow. We as humans are multifaceted. Sometimes we have needs and we are trying to just do the best that we can. And I think that's okay. So I'll be honest. I went and actually did something this week during COVID. And at first I felt really guilty about it because I've been really passionate about trying to stay home and stay safe and do all the things by the book. But as I thought more about it, even in making the decision to go get a pedicure, I did it in a safe way. I tried to book an appointment at a time that was an off, you know, brand time where not many people would be there. I made sure to go to a place that I knew was going to take appropriate safety precautions. You know, I tried to do all of these things right in doing that. And I know that I still took a risk and I felt bad about that. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. And then 
Um, one of the things that I learned this week was that one of the individuals who was an equipment manager for the Milwaukee Wave passed away. He was still pretty young, but apparently had a health issue recently that took his life. And it was, you know, sad for me to think about that. Obviously, I haven't been around the Wave recently, but just seeing how he was able to interact with the players and his dad also has worked there for a long time. So it's kind of like a real sad family moment for them. But just seeing like the outpouring of love and support for him and the impact that he has made on other people's lives made me kind of do a lot of that self-reflection of hopefully, you know, when my time comes or when the time comes for other people, we're all able to make that kind of impact on other people's lives that when we move on, our legacy and our, you know, deeds that we've done can be remembered and we have made positive and substantive change in the world. So do what you're doing, take care of yourself, but keep trying to be the best you because hopefully people will remember that even if you never know that they will. That's a good point. I think I'm going to echo some of that. So I've been, uh, I've been pretty open with the fact that I haven't felt good in, in the last couple of weeks. Um, and it has me scared. It has me really scared um, because it's pretty serious. And I honestly don't know that I'll be here tomorrow. So that, so obviously that, that lends itself to all sorts of different thoughts. Today, I also got an email from my boss that uh, congratulated me on my 13th anniversary at the company. This is actually a week early. My anniversary is next Thursday, but that's okay. The, the point is, is that um, I think about what I'm doing. I think about how passionate I am about what I do for a living what I've spent 12 something years doing, 13 years doing. Uh, I've done different things throughout the company, but um, at no point, at no point in my life would I have said, this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I want to do for a living. It's not to say I haven't found a lot of passions throughout that time. I have. Um, but I looked at for 13 years, I've been doing this thing. And I'm, I'm comparing that to the fact of how I'm feeling and my worries on what the very near future might hold. And I guess my message is go out there and do whatever the hell it is that gets your blood pumping, whatever it is that excites you, that interests you, whatever those things are, whether you want to take up drawing, you want to, you know, travel the world, maybe not just yet. If you want to buy that new special car, if you want to start, you know, marathoning, whatever the case may be, those passions that, that you may not have followed, go out and chase them. Because in the grand scheme of things, we're all going to get old, we're all going to die at some point, and time's going to pass one way or another. doesn't matter if you're doing something you love or if you're doing something you hate, time is still going to pass. So do something you love, man. Like, find out what that passion and that, that excitement is in your life that you're missing or that you need. Maybe you've already found it. Do more of that. Find a way to do more of that. And if you haven't found it yet, figure out what that is. What is it that gets you excited? What is, what is that thing that whenever you see it or hear about it or read about it or somebody mentions it, your pulse picks up and your eyebrows raise and your cheeks kind of perk up and you're like, oh my God, that is so exciting. I want to be a part of that. Find that. Find a way to do that. Do as much of that as you can. Because in the grand scheme of things, when I do kick the bucket, whether that's tomorrow or in two months, or 20 years from now, I sure as hell hope that people look at me and say, you know what, 
He chased those things that were important. He chased those things that made him feel alive. He chased those things that, um, that just made a difference in his life. And if things go really, really well, made a difference in other people's lives. That's the important stuff. And that's the stuff that I want to start chasing more. I think that doing this podcast, doing the streaming is a big part of that. I was able to find those things and, and, and grab that. This isn't about me though. This is about you. Figure out what that is and chase it because that's the important shit in life. That's what I got, B. It's well said. So now we're going to tell the people where they can find us because once you are done doing all the important stuff in your life, we want you to come and tell us about it. So you can find us on Twitter at Landmark, M-K-E for me, Sconzi for Sconzi, and A-Q underscore P-R-O-D for the brand. The podcast, you can find that in your favorite podcast app if you search for We Random. You can find us on Facebook. You can find Sconzi on Patreon. You can get lots of nice stuff there. The Patreon is up and rolling. You will be able to sign up. And if you sign up, you'll get to hear some extra time. And that is where uh, Christopher finally will be able to let go of the dicks that he's holding. Maybe. <laughs> you know. But you know, you can find us. Please let us know how you're doing. Give us some feedback on the show. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, what you'd like us to do going forward. We're just two guys who can't go hang out at a bar right now, so we give you a podcast. But do you have any other thoughts for the people, Christopher? I do not. All right. Well, until next time, stay safe. Do the best you can to be the best you. And we will talk to you next week. See you, everybody. Wigan, one of the things that I will say about you is you are one of the most thoughtful people that I know.